chapter three of the jeffersonians eighteen o one to eighteen twenty nine by richard b morris this librivox recording is in the public domain marbury versus madison excerpts from john marshall's decision marbury versus madison the duel between the former secretary of the treasury and the vice-president provided high drama but far more important was an event that had occurred the year before in washington this event was a supreme court decision written by chief justice marshall the decision known as marbury v madison it established the principle that the supreme court may declare unconstitutional any law passed by congress that conflicts with the constitution this principle has become so well accepted to-day that we can hardly realize it ever had to be stated its effect however was to strengthen the system of checks and balances between the three main branches of our government marbury was an obscure justice of the peace appointed by president adams just before his term expired the lame duck federalist administration went out of office before marbury received his commission and marbury appealed to the supreme court to force james madison the new secretary of state to give it to him the supreme court declared that marbury deserved his commission but that it could not grant it the reason was that the law saying the court could do this was contrary to the constitution and therefore invalid in the portion of the decision that follows chief justice marshall argues the principle that congress may not give powers not specifically authorized by the constitution to the courts or to anyone else excerpts from john marshall's decision the question whether an act repugnant opposed to the constitution can become the law of the land is a question deeply interesting to the united states but happily not of an intricacy proportioned to its interest it seems only necessary to recognize certain principles supposed to have been long and well established to decide it that the people have an original right to establish for their future government such principles as in their opinion shall most conduce to their own happiness is the basis on which the whole american fabric has been erected the exercise of this original right is a very great exertion nor can it nor ought it to be frequently repeated the principles therefore so established are deemed fundamental and as the authority from which they proceed is supreme and can seldom act they are designed to be permanent the original and supreme will organizes the government and assigns to different departments their respective powers it may either stop here or establish certain limits not to be transcended by those departments the government of the united states is of the latter description the powers of the legislature are defined and limited and that those limits may not be mistaken or forgotten the constitution is written to what purpose are powers limited and to what purpose is that limitation committed to writing if these limits may at any time be passed by those intended to be restrained the distinction between a government with limited and unlimited powers is abolished if those limits do not confine the persons on whom they are imposed and if acts prohibited and acts allowed are of equal obligation 
it is a proposition too plain to be contested that the constitution controls any legislative act repugnant to it or that the legislature may alter the constitution by an ordinary act between these alternatives there is no middle ground the constitution is either a superior paramount law unchangeable by ordinary means or it is on a level with ordinary legislative acts and like other acts is alterable when the legislature shall please to alter it if the former part of the alternative be true then a legislative act contrary to the constitution is not law if the latter part be true then written constitutions are absurd attempts on the part of the people to limit a power in its own nature illimitable certainly all those who have framed written constitutions contemplate them as forming the fundamental and paramount law of the nation and consequently the theory of every such government must be that an act of the legislature repugnant to the constitution is void marshall goes on to refute the argument that the supreme court should concern itself only with interpreting the law regardless of the constitution then he quotes specific passages from the constitution it is declared that no tax or duty shall be laid on articles exported from any state suppose a duty on the export of cotton of tobacco or of flour and a suit instituted to recover it ought judgment to be rendered in such a case ought the judges to close their eyes on the constitution and only see the law no person says the constitution shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court here the language of the constitution is addressed especially to the courts it prescribes directly for them a rule of evidence not to be departed from if the legislature should change that rule and declare one witness or a confession out of court sufficient for conviction must the constitutional principle yield to the legislative act from these and many other selections which might be made it is apparent that the framers of the constitution contemplated that instrument as a rule for the government of courts as well as of the legislature why otherwise does it direct the judges to take an oath to support it this oath certainly applies in an especial manner to their conduct in their official character how immoral to impose it on them if they were to be used as the instruments and the knowing instruments for violating what they swear to support at the end of the decision the chief justice concluded that the language of the constitution confirmed and strengthened the principle essential to all written constitutions that a law repugnant to the constitution is void End of chapter three